Welcome to Faith City Outreach, where your host, Marina Maria, reaches out to the world to discuss Christian topics and providing biblical solutions, as well as praying for the nations. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The music in this broadcast is provided courtesy of Zapsplat.com. Now, here is your host, Marina Maria. I declare the scripture, Zechariah 2.5, over Faith City Outreach, where the Lord says, and I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, Rick Ryan, who is the Director of Intercultural Ministries at the Arizona Ministry Network of the Assemblies of God. He serves 84 churches who minister to either ethnic or language-specific people groups in Arizona. He has been in ministry in more than 100 countries of the world, and he has pastored four churches. Thank you so much for being on Faith City Outreach, Rick, to share encouragement to pastors and the body of Christ during this world's crisis at this time, which is so desperately needed. Yes, thank you. It's good to be with you today. Rick, please share when God called you to your recent position as the, as the director of the Intercultural Ministries for the Arizona Ministry Network of the Assemblies of God. Well, uh, to be honest with you, it was just an amazing uh, uh, experience. I, you know, just quick background. Um, after a lot of sin and crime at the age of five years old, I gave my life to Jesus and the next uh, Sunday night actually was uh, filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and called in the ministry. So basically, my life's been over since I've been five. That's all I've ever wanted to do. I'm a fifth-generation preacher's kid. So following the Lord has been a series of yeses. I can't say that there's a moment that there was a neon light in the sky and God said, this is it. It's just been saying yes to God all the way along. So um, I was with a ministry called a Convoy of Hope that did disaster relief around the world. And uh, I was their international, uh, I was their co-international director. And uh, so involved in that was uh, a lot of uh, ministry moving in crisis moments, uh, everything from Hurricane Katrina all the way to Sandy uh, that I was involved with. And then five years ago, a friend called and said, would you come and take us to another level in our church? Uh, this was in Northern California and doing that phenomenal, you know, went from 1600 to 5,700. We started a Spanish church with 13 people in two years. It went to, uh, like 470. And so just God doing all these incredible things, thinking I'm going to be there forever. And then out of the blue, some old friends called from Arizona. I used to be the state youth director for the assembly of God churches in Arizona. And one of the old youth pastors is now in a, in a uh, significant position. And he and, and the leadership, actually, of the Assemblies of God here called me and said, would you consider coming back? Because I've, I've, I've been a missionary. I've lived overseas. And uh, so uh, you know, would you come back and do missions here, but do it here in Arizona, where there's 136 different nations that are here? where 48% of the populace can or does speak another language at home other than English, would you consider coming and working with the churches? It's the cutting edge. It's the developing, growing edge of our 
uh, churches here. So without a without even a hesitation, my wife and I prayed, but without a hesitation, we said yes. And so just, and God did some miraculous things financially for us to come because we are missionaries. So we, we had to raise our support and that happened like in weeks. And so um, God just miraculously did all that. So we got here and uh, started a year ago, January in 2019 and um, uh, have just seen God do some incredible things. I, when I came, there was 64 uh, ethnic churches that spoke, that speak all of them except two, but they're ethnic in, in their um, ethnicity, but the others all speak uh, another language in their service other than English, or they do a bilingual service. So um, we, we went from 64 and now we have 84 and we have another maybe 10 in the pipeline right now of uh, places that are ready to get planted. So very, very excited about what God's doing. Wow, that is amazing. And how are you able to communicate with all 84 churches? Well, I've done ministry in 120 countries of the world. I used to be, um, I worked with a, a, a missions organization called Book of Hope. Now it's called One Hope, but then it was Book of Hope. And we distributed Bibles in public schools around the world. They're in 160 countries right now. And this year, I think they're going to distribute like I don't know, 84 million copies of God's Word. But anyway, when I went that year, the, first, the year before, they had distributed 6 million copies of God's Word in about 22 countries. When I left five years later, they we were up to, and I was in charge of distribution worldwide, so we were up to uh, about 65 million in about 105 countries, something like that. And what we did was we would go into a country, work with their, the national government and education system, coming with a book we called the Book of Hope. What they did was they took the first four synoptic gospels and they made them like a storyline, all interactive. Nothing was left out, all um, parables, uh, stories, miracles, all included, but also every, every like uh, five, six pages they would put in, we, we investigated uh, 200,000 students worldwide. What are your top 10 felt needs? And then we would, then we would take those felt needs and we'd give a whole page in the book to it. it would, it's all graphic, so it's for kids in elementary. We have another one for junior high, another one for high school, another one for college. Now they have one for prisons, ministry. But kind of graphically things because people are more given to visual learning. And so, um, so it's a graphic thing. We also, they also have a, a several CDs, um, that are done like almost like a, like a Jesus, uh, movie kind of thing, uh, except our Jesus film, but it's, it's more, um, it's uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, animated. And, and that's what we use in countries that number one, either don't speak, um, or don't uh, read which is a ton. I, I would venture to say they, they send 10 million a year to China uh, under the current, but send it to China. So what, what happens is then we go into public schools, if we're allowed to in that country, do a school distribution or a school presentation, I should say, and we train the nationals to do this. So it isn't Americans doing it. It's nationals doing it. They're doing it to their own people, which we train um, school assembly teams. They go in and do school assemblies and then pass out the Book of Hope, and then they'll do, like, say, a city, and then they'll encourage them the last two nights to come to a major stadium 
whether it be basketball, soccer, whatever, and we call what is called a hope celebration. And all the pastors of the city get together. We have we go in people going six months ahead and work on that. So it's this big, explosive, you know, amazing thing that's going on. It's just really, really cool. So anyway, and it's still going on. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This year, like I said, they'll they'll be at about one hundred and five million, and they have they have some people behind them that are just phenomenal, like Hobby Lobby, the Green family from Hobby Lobby, uh, uh, the Chick Fil A people. Uh, Dan has gone on to be with Jesus, but but all kinds of people like that. So um, involved in all of that, I traveled all the time as the director of distribution. Plus, I had intern teams in in all the uh, continents of the world. And so they would come and spend a year with me. So I would train them and then send them. So I was traveling to different places and doing doing ministry. And so when I got here, it's so cool how God does this. But so many countries that are here that I'm working with right now, for instance, the Congo, um, I could tell you an amazing story, but just short, in Bible school, one time I'm at the altar, there had just been a missionary there and preaching, and I felt so convicted by God that God wanted me to do something globally. And I'm at the, I'm at the altar, I'm literally spread eagle in front of the, the podium, and I'm just God whatever you want. I'm saying yes to you with my life. I feel a little hand on my back. And it's a lady by the name of Agnes Hurst, who's, who was born in the Congo. Her parents, there's a long story to it. It's written, it's been written up, but Aggie Hurst is saying, Lord, use him, Lord, use him, use him for my people was part of her prayer. And I remember thinking, I have no interest in Africa. I was thinking more Latin America, or actually when I was 12, my parents were called to Malaysia and we almost went, in fact, we were two weeks from going and my mom had emergency surgery thing happen and it allowed us, I mean, we could not go. But just to say, um, uh, so that, that she laid hand on me. Well, well, three of my churches when I started, actually two of the churches I started were Congolese church. Now we have six churches. And when I get up to share with them that, you know, hey, you know, somebody prayed over me, you know, 30 years ago that I work with with you folks, you know, I mean, it just blows them away. Uh, I am, uh, uh, the Philippines, both of our pastors here know my father-in-law who teaches at the theological seminary in Baguio, Philippines. They all went to school and they are students of his from there. I mean, how does God do that? You know what I'm saying? Um, we have a, we have a Marshallese pastor. Um, a lot of the new congregation for him are all these ladies that are, are current or, he was current. Our, uh, I think he's was the like I want to say county register or something like that, who ha- was bringing these ladies in from the Marshallese Islands, and and they were being impregnant and then giving and selling the babies here. And he's just been caught on that. Well, I, you know how how does that happen? Okay, so I am in uh, Australia doing a, a a distribution in Australia. One of the workers with me that was there to translate, because sometimes when you go into these things, you do these big stadium things, you have to have four or five translators. So you say something, then it goes through to four or five translators. By the time you get back to you, you're not exactly sure what you said, but you do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, well, one of them was this guy. And I get here and he, he comes up to me, Rick Ryan. I mean, just shocked, you know. And that's just how God's been working, man. It's just been phenomenal. And then I've come in with a lot of uh, understanding or ideas that we're trying to do to 
engage these guys to uh, and ladies to grow and develop um, as churches. Some of them don't fully get or understand initially that they can't do ministry here like they did it in Nicaragua or they did it in Mexico or wherever they did it. It's They are missionaries here. And until they capture that, and then they say, please show us, help us to know not only American culture, but the people of our nationality in the culture. And then I'm getting to the point of saying, okay, are you going to be just closed and say, okay, I'm going to deal, for instance, I'm going to deal just in the Spanish language and everybody else, you know, forget it. Um, Whatever you want to do, you do, because there's plenty of churches for you. Well, instead of that, what would Jesus be doing? Jesus stands over their church with his arms wide open saying, come one, come all, all nations, all tribes. And for them to catch that, it's just exciting. I got one church, one Hispanic church that's gone from one service uh, to about 250 people. That now he has one church, four campuses, seven services, and runs almost 1,800. So and what changes did he make? That's in a year. Well, I think it's uh, there's a lot of changes he made. Number one was we went multi-site. Um, did he go bilingual? Like, did he? He's he always, always been bilingual. Bi- oh, always it's always been bilingual. Been. Well, I take that back. He was uh, he was uh, Spanish only at the beginning. Realized that that was hitting a certain part of people, but then he tried to do okay. We'll have an English service. Mm-hmm. Well, the English, uh, the, you know, not everybody was in, and he's in Tolleson on top of that. Well, Tolleson's what ninety percent Hispanic, and so um, you know, some of the Hispanics want English, but they don't necessarily want to break away from everything and be separate. And so uh, he started to go to bilingual services. Well, that was one thing he did. Then we started, God started opening up different sites for him. In fact, the other day he called me. He goes, "Hey, I found a church, a building." I go, "Really." He goes, yeah, it's in Buckeye. We can, I can get this. How much? How big is it? it? Seats 160. It has a fellowship hall, some classrooms and stuff. I go, that's great. What's the price? He goes, $150,000. And I bought it, Pastor. I didn't ask you. I just bought it. <laughs> and I said, dude, I don't care. Man, $150,000? There's no way. That's only God. Yes. And so he start, he's launching another campus there. And, and then we talk a lot about church between the Sundays. What and you've been, a, you've been a pastor of yes. four churches yourself, yes. right? Yes. So, uh, yes, four. Uh, actually, it's been four uh, English uh, churches and one Spanish. Now, were they in different places of the United States? Yeah. Uh, let me think here. Um, no, all of them were in California. Okay. One of them, one of them we, I was the pastor of this, the English church. And uh, we had such an Hispanic gathering coming that we're struggling in understanding sometimes everything. And so I said, well, why don't we start a church? So we actually did. We started with 13 people and went to 470 in two years. And it was just uh, amazing. Now they're running like 650. But really the key is the church of today has to understand, in America at least, and I think around the world, but in America, has to understand that we have to be missional in between the Sundays. So what do you mean by that? Give me examples. Okay. Um, uh, Everybody wants Sunday to be awesome. It's got to be the best sermon. It's got to be the best worship. It's got to be the best uh, greeter at the door. Best everything. Yeah, the best of everything. Then, then, Then between the Sundays, 
we have smaller gatherings that are usually a smaller group of people. And it's pretty much, we have not, we basically are saying to the outside world, um, we're saying to the outside world that Sundays are our gig. Here's our problem is that in the 50s, 60s, 70s, even getting into the mid 80s, the church was the center of society still. Morally, theologically, even ideologically, in our politics and everything else, it was pretty much that way. And so what happened is we chose not to change, but societies kept changing and changing and changing and changing. So we've been moved out of the picture and we've moved off the mainland now, and it's like we're little islands separate from the mainland we're the subculture of the subculture people don't talk about us anymore except really weird strange people that supposedly represent the church but that's what the news picks up so here's our problem if we're these little islands on sunday we're on our island screaming with our hands up right hey we're here we're here we got a new worship leader come see him well you know we got it we got new carpet come see you know well people aren't doing that anymore and that where before they might have come for that, now they won't. So between the Sundays, you've got to be Jesus with skin on, not just you as a person in your workplace, but the church really needs to provide the felt need issues that people have. And if you can do that, then what you do is you pull yourself closer and closer to the mainland and you start to build the proper bridges. Now, what hap- should be happening during the week, though? Give some examples. Okay, for instance, um, uh, I'm helping about, I coach like 30 churches on top of what I'm doing. And the, probably the immediate thing I get right away is, well, what do we do? We don't know what to do. And I'll say things like, okay, number one, um, what are you doing with single moms? In st- Statistically, in um, Arizona, in the school districts, literally 27% of any school in Arizona is a home of a single mom. So to me, they're here at my heroes because they are doing it all alone. I think of them right now in the middle of all this with all the fear and everything. They have nobody to lean on. They have nobody to talk to. If they lose their jobs, where is it coming from? Because usually their jobs are not enough to keep them... Uh, sustained for a while. Um, there's all this kind of stuff. So what are we doing as a church? Uh, I say to a women's group at a church, what, what, what do you do for single moms? Are, is there any special focus that you're giving so you can bring it? Cause I found, we found this in my own ministry. If you can take two or three, if you can reach two or three single moms that maybe already are in your church and you could say to them, Hey, we're going to have a Friday night dinner just for single moms and the children's ministry and youth are going to take, your kids and play with them. Meanwhile, we're going to treat you right. We want to throw a dinner for you. We want to really do it right. So why don't you go get two or three other single moms? So that's what we did with in one church. We had three single moms. We asked them to go get two others. We we're going to have nine single moms. And we were, there was going to be like 15 kids. Okay. So we forgot that single moms talk to single moms and single moms don't talk just to one single mom. If she does, that single mom, and she's going to come, she talks to three or four other single moms. You've got this whole network of single moms. Mm-hmm. They don't talk to married people. They talk to single moms, right? Mm-hmm. And so that night showed up 47 single moms and 135 kids. And wow. God, it was a miraculous moment, a powerful moment. 
We had this incredible, we did all these giveaways. We did all this uh, uh, stuff. We did this ministry to him. At the end of the time, when we get down to, if you really want the Jesus we're talking about, because we really presented a case for Christ, and uh, you want that, well, every woman in the place raised their hand. So that was on a Friday night. On Sunday, we had uh, 35 new families there, all single mom families. Wow, and on a Friday night for yep. for for a large group like that to be attending a Friday service is amazing too. Well, but single moms have nothing else to do; they can't that's, get away from their kids. They that's true, pay. and you're able to bring, and they're able to bring yeah. their children. So for that, it was like a date night in some ways, if I can put it that way—a single date wow. night. But you know, and then they. Uh, uh, so when Sunday, our, our children's ministry jumped sixty kids. It went from twenty kids to eighty. Overnight, all of a sudden, our, our children's workers are freaking out. They're running into the sanctuary going, they're grabbing anybody that breathes. Can you come help me? You know. Well, they got in there, and the first Sunday, it's chaos. But, but in that chaos, there were people that goes, man, I really love this. I saw kids being moved. When you were pre- praying over them, they were moved. Man, I want to come back and do this. So you literally can change a church by just one fell need like that. So basically, the church should be meeting the needs of the people during the week. Exactly. Another okay. another thing is parenting. Parents okay. are screaming mm-hmm. for parenting skills. There just isn't enough resources out there. Or right. like marriage. Marriage. Marriage um, is another one, right. Ministries. Our problem is, our, our problem is, is that we do 75 minutes a week really well. And some of our ethnic churches, that's 90 minutes. But I'm just talking the basic church, 75 minutes. We do that really well. But what happens to the rest of the time? And so, therefore, if we can present viable, significant moments where students can get mentored in their educational system. Because (laughs) parents, many times, especially the ethnic people I'm working with, they don't understand English well enough or their own education level wasn't very high. And that's another group. Do the bet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so um, the one church I'm working with uh, out in uh, Lake Havasu City, they went to their local uh, grade school and they started uh, offering some things. They, they did one or two things initially. And then they, as, as moments grew, they did more and more. And uh, so they've gone from a church, <coughs> excuse me, of 80 to now they run about 425, and that's been in a year. Wow. Uh, just because, again, between the Sundays, church between the Sundays, they are reaching and touching felt needs that the audience, we've had people literally say this to this pastor, where were you? I didn't even know you existed. Yet, he had, in Lake Havasu City, 10,000 cars a day driving by his church. 10,000 cars a day driving by his church. Nobody even knew he was there. And that's, that goes to basically my point. If we don't under, start to missiologically look at our cities as that, then if we just say, man, on Sunday, we're awesome. On our Friday night prayer meeting, it's awesome for us 30. Well, God bless you. In fact, that's exactly what's happening right now. This is why I think God is pushing the church out. Because right now during this crisis, because we're on shutdown here in Arizona, everybody's has to go to internet. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had, oh man, I probably have a hundred emails waiting for me. What did I do right? What did I do wrong? One guy wrote and he said, I only had six people, man, you know, that watch me. And uh, 
you know, it was just, I don't know, should I keep doing it? I wrote him back and I said, of course, dude, that's six people you have never seen before. You have never gotten involved. And he had two of those people that he was in a regular chat with. And I'm like, dude, that is, that is amazing. Tell me the last time you've had two brand new people walk into your church the same Sunday. And he goes, sadly, it's been eight years. And I said, well, dude, that's exactly. So what's God's doing in this time? He's, listen, He's really we are shaking people, things up. That's right. For we the are good. Either, we are either going to believe Joel 2, 28, mm-hmm. 29, that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit mm-hmm. upon all mankind. Mm-hmm. If this is the last days, which we all believe we're in, mm-hmm. then he's going to bring a move of God, a revival, a, a mm-hmm. move that would be so f- powerful that won't be noted as much for, it will be noted for the miraculous and the supernatural, but it'll be more recognized for the amount of souls coming. I have a lot of friends that say, I move in the supernatural, but they haven't seen a soul forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally ever. And they're good. Their church is good but they don't take it outside the walls and they don't know how to do that. Do you think God is creating this as a revival? Oh, time? definitely. It's a revival I time. You, you study revivals. If you study revivals, the greatest revivals always have happened in deep, dark economic or disaster times. I mean, that is, that is one of the standards of revival. That's why forever revivalists have been saying America's got to go economically in a downspin that is so incredible that nobody will, will understand it. So they have to turn to God. Now, we have had moments. God's given us chances. 9-11 was a chance. The, the Sunday after 9-11, churches were packed. That lasted about three weeks. <laughs> then we got back to normal. This is one of those moments when everybody is stopped. That the whole was, world. That's right. That was more of a <laughs> West Coast, I mean, an East mm-hmm. Coast uh, tragic, tragedy, or a, a hurricane hits, tragedy. But the next several weeks, churches are packed. I think in this moment, God is saying, I'm not going to put, put people in buildings anymore. I'm going to get my church to get out and get among people mm-hmm. and do the right thing and do what I would do if I was on the planet. And let's do this. And then I'm going to bring about something because if we believe Joel 2, 28 and 29, then we've got to see the promise of the Habakkuk 1, 5 come, which says, look at the nations and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that if I showed you in advance, you would not believe it. He's going to give us Psalms 2, 8, ask of me, and I'm going to give you the nations as your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your territory. Wow. I mean, that kind of, he's going to, he's going to make. First, First Corinthians 2, 9 come about. Your eyes have not seen. Your ears have not heard. It has not yet entered into your heart what God has love for, has for you because he loves you. He's purposed mm-hmm. it for us. Mm-hmm. So we have, to ga- we have to gather that. A lot of pastors are preaching about, you know, hey, faith over fear. Mm-hmm. Don't have fear. God's in control. And I say that. That should have been our first few days statement. Now it's a <laughs> statement of let's get out and do it, man. There's nothing holding back. Worst case scenario, we die and we go to heaven. Mm -hmm. Bummer. Oh, that's going to be cool. (laughs) I'm like, come on. Exactly. I want to go to heaven. Come on. Exactly. I I don't don't, want to be here. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So if you do studies of people that have had major influence and impact, they didn't care about life or death. What they did 
is they got out amongst people and they they reached as much. I had my neighbor that we've been praying for a year. Uh, the other day when this first all went down, he comes running to me as I got out of my car and his wife was right behind him. What are we going to do? What is this? What is happening? Tell us, Tell, you know, what's going to happen? It was the wide open door. Prayed for him right there in the sidewalk. The next Sunday, we have wow. our last Sunday to have church. He was in the service and his wife. Now wow, we're, we're taking my children Lord. is the, or my daughter is the children's pastor at, at the church that um, that she's at, and she's got video ministry going on and stuff. So kick that over to them. Their kids are loving it, and you just see all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, okay, this is the moment. This is it. God's bringing people to Him. So we need not worry. We need not faint. We need not get stressed out. It's more importantly, like, get on my knees, stop, drop, start praying, God, what do you want me to do to make a difference? If, if nothing else, if believers took the four houses around them, the one on either side, the one in front, and the one in the back, and they just went and did a cookie visit at six feet distance mm. and just love people, you would be shocked what people would say. We talk about everything else while we're out mowing our lawns or here in Arizona, we rake our, our rocks, you know, but we talk about everything else, but we don't get it to Jesus. Well, this is the time that everybody's wondering what's happening with life. If the national emotion is fear and uncertainty, we have the greatest answer to that in Jesus Christ, who gives us peace and gives us uh, man, just a sense of calm. Absolutely. We can, you know, witness and share Christ with our um, neighbors. Right. Rick, uh, do you think um, this time um, God is basically having Christians um, relook at what church means instead of it meaning it four walls? Well, I think I think that's true. I think, uh, as I said, I've been talking with and, and coaching a lot of pastors. I think what's happened is a lot of pastors are are seeing that their um, style, if I could put it that way, because you know we're uh, sadly we're really about style, mm-hmm. the style wars, the worship wars, all those kind of things. That's what we're about. Uh, is going to be in that language or this language? Is it going to be old school hymns? contemporary, you know, it's all over the place. And, and we've, so a lot of pastors realize their style does not translate to online because it doesn't translate well to the lost because we have done ministry for Christians for so long. And there was never that intention. The intention of Ephesians four is that we would work to develop the body of Christ to the point that they could do it. We see the Christian Christendom has, for the most part, equated evangelism and all those kind of things to something that a few people do um, in the church. You know, it's just like the prophetic gifts. We've we've said there's a few people that have that. When we should all be seeking the fivefold ministry gifts. Mm-hmm. And so, um, in the, in the moment that I'm when I'm talking, trying to talk talk about right now is the fact that if it doesn't translate, then pastors are starting to ask the questions: What am I doing right or wrong? Here's my number one thing that I think has to happen in every service. And I'll, I'll use this example. Um, a year ago, the um, you, you probably are not going to get this at all, but a year ago, the, the uh, Toronto Rafters were playing, um, were playing a Philadelphia. 
it was the semifinals going into the finals of the NBA basketball championship. It's the game seven. They're behind. Uh, they're, they're tied. I'm sorry. One game or four games or three games each. It's down to the last seconds. Kawhi Leonard gets the ball on a fluke. It bounces to him. He's in a corner. He's running to try to grab the ball before it goes out of bounds. He turns in the air, turns around, shoots the ball. It goes up over the rim or over the backboard, hits the rim once, twice, <laughs> three, fourth time it goes through and Toronto goes on. The place went nuts. He fell into fans there because he was, you know, he was in the air when it happened and he was out of control. He fell into fans, his sweaty body, guys are hugging him and going nuts the whole place and i'm on the couch i don't have i don't have a, a you know a, a horse in any of the, these two teams i nothing i just like basketball right so i see that and i'm like yes and my wife even goes she doesn't know basketball from baseball right she goes yes because it was so exciting right and i said to my wife i want to be in that corner right there right now sweating with them i want that i want you know guys are knocking drinks all over one another i mean the place is going berserk <laughs> think of that in terms of church cuz that was a transformational moment that was a transcendent moment in other words where what i mean by that is that i wanted to be there mm-hmm. when that was happening i don't want to just watch it on tv i want to mm-hmm. be there Our services have to be that way. And our online experiences need to be that way. What are we allowing the Holy Spirit to do is that where he can really feel it? Because we all believe this, the presence of God changes everything. Mm -hmm. So let's be about the presence of God. So if a pastor just gets on and preaches a sermon and then immediately goes into an altar call and doesn't give any time really for for God to speak through him, mm-hmm. for uh, people to respond in some way, you just have to, you know, you have to have those moments when the Holy Spirit comes and goes, bam. Because God loves to work in suddenlies. He's walking along, John 9, he's walking along, suddenly he stops in front of a young man that's been blind since birth. Well, you and I are going, wait, what? This is going to be phenomenal. This is God's going to heal, right? Jesus is healing. It's going to be amazing. What do the disciples do? They're stroking their beards and saying, you know, Jesus, this presents a deep theological question. Is this the sin of the young man or his parents that have caused this blindness? In other words, they've become so accustomed to the presence of Jesus that they lost sight of a moment when a suddenly came. And I'm saying to the Church of Jesus Christ today, and I'm saying to individual Christians, it's not about what you say. When you're going to your neighbors, you don't go up and say, hey, man, you know, do you want to accept Jesus or do you want to come to my church? Mm-hmm. Get all that. Just just ask a question, a simple question. Like, um, tell me how you're feeling right now. Because that's a felt need they have. Their feeling is the big deal in America right now. Mm-hmm. The younger generations, the millennials, they're all about feel their feelings. Mm-hmm. What do you feel right now? Mm-hmm. What do you feel is going on? And it's going to, well, it's all, it'll, always will come back. What do you feel? Mm-hmm. We can talk right out of a victory moment of, well, you know, I just really have this cool thing going on with God. And, you know, I, I just feel he's in control, you know, and, and start that conversation. It's like Jesus with the, the Samaritan woman. 
she comes up and talks water. Do you want a drink? He goes, yeah. And then he goes, but on second thought, if you, you know, if you drink the water that I already have, you'll never thirst again. All of a sudden, what? Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to walk out there that mm-hmm. mile and a quarter five times a day and mm-hmm. walk back. Mm-hmm. You know, it freaks her out. That transitional moment, that transitional statement, transcendent statement took her into this guy doesn't like me ethnically. I know he doesn't because they don't. It mm-hmm. took that all away and it went right to mm-hmm. the core of who he was. Mm-hmm. But that's where we got to be. We got to be in those kind of places and churches have to be there. So we have to have those moments when we're just speaking out of our hearts. Man. So how does a church um, choose a style? To reach well, the millennials. I think I think to reach millennials? Yeah, and to reach this generation, especially the millennials. And I say that because um, they, a lot of them have, number one, you hear so many of the parents saying that they do not follow the Lord. And the, the parents are going to church, but their children aren't. They've fallen away. They don't, they don't want to have anything to do with church. So how do you reach not only millennials, how do you reach this generation? Well, I think, you know, when you say this generation, I think each of the uh, niches of the generation that we live in right now, whether they be senior adults uh, as baby boomers or millennials, which would be more your 30s and early 40s, or your Gen Z, which is 18, 19 and under, all those kind of groups have their own particular needs Mm-hmm. or uh, felt needs and, and thing, uh, you know, in particular millennials, because they're becoming number one, they're the second largest besides boomers, second largest generation to come through or niche in the generation. And they're soon going to be the decision. Right. Exactly. But, but the problem is honestly in the church is we did not do a good job with them. Uh, the, their parents did not do a real good job of, of um, they let children's pastors and youth pastors or youth leaders be their spiritual guides versus mom and dad. They saw they saw at home a different mom and dad than they saw on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, mom and dad were really stuck, really stuck in styles. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, it was in the you know it was uh, fifteen twenty years ago that churches really did start to move from more of a traditional look to a more um, contemporary or charismatic look. Uh, attractional churches became a thing of the past, meaning you came, we were trying to attract people. Those days, basically, over those churches aren't doing as much well anymore. It's really moving into personal a relationship with Jesus and, in particular, signs, wonders, and miracles that that generation, particularly millennials, are looking for. You look at the top seven or top 10 movies of, uh, in terms of money making since 2010, seven of them have been about Marvel uh, comic book characters, Thor, all of that. Why? It's because that generation and really America, but that generation in particular is looking for some supernatural power. If I pick up a hammer, mm-hmm. I can destroy any dark force there is. If I put on a cape, I can fly and leap tall buildings in a single bounce. If I put on a, a big suit that's in a case, I can now be Iron Man, you know? So like a superhero mentality. Yeah. And, and what that says is this, is first of all, they're overwhelmed. 
uh, with with all that's going on. They don't feel as safe. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking for supernatural outreaches or mm-hmm. uh, supernatural influence. But listen to this. America, according to Barna, uh, the Barna survey, Americans say, 93% of them say that they're spirit or they're spiritual. But only 13% says that they're born again. Mm. So what that says to me is this, is that we have to wake up as a church and we have to present because there's nothing more supernatural than the Holy Spirit. There's nothing more supernatural than signs, wonders, and miracles. There's nothing more supernatural than the presence of God. When you walk into the place and you feel the Mm -hmm. presence, all of a sudden there's goosebumps. Mm -hmm. You remember, Marina, when you first went into a church for the first time Mm -hmm. and you felt it, it was like, whoa, goosebumps. Mm -hmm. But we as a sit, we as as the church people have grown up in the church, sometimes we have, and that that's their mothers and fathers grew up more in the church. So how do we pick up from there? The what was not? I think we got to get back number one to personal devotions. Number okay. two, we got to get back to moments when we let Jesus move instead of we we have become so um, programmed. Programmed is a good word. We've become so systems driven. Yeah, systematic. Another, another thing, even in our even in our devotionals, um, we've had some. Uh, I, I, you, you, I don't care who you pick, but there's some major women out there that have done these women's devotionals that are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And and you've taken Beth Moore, for instance, or um, oh, Joyce Myers. Uh, Joyce Myers is another one. Another one is the gal that did the the uh, prayer movie. Um, anyway. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yes. what I'm saying is all this rich teaching, but we didn't do anything with it. We have it for ourselves. And so American Christianism and Western Christian Christianity has become more about meeting my need. Hmm. And um, I'm going to pray for my need. I don't see beyond that. It's my need. So like a self you know yeah. everything's so about me 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 mm-hmm. and so millennials have come out and they've said well look we're not going to do it for self we're going to do it for everybody that's why they tend to be more clear in their uh mission about the the uh, for instance climate change mm-hmm. uh, they they seem to give more when disasters those kind of things hit and be honest with you even more than that is the group that's coming up the gen zers they don't want any games they tend to they tend to identify with grandma and grandpa as grandma and grandpa, but they don't tend to identify with them as spiritual leaders. And so we've lost the devil has taken away, or we've allowed the devil to take away promises. And there's over 400 promises that says, "I will bless you, and I will bless your children. And I'll bless mm-hmm. your children's children. I'll bless your children's children." Generations, because we are now the third generation, according to psychologists. We're uh, yeah, psychologists. We are the third generation in dysfunctional families, where at least seventy-five percent of our families have some kind of dysfunctional moment or person or experience. So, how can the church meet the needs of those two groups well, during the week? Yeah, what we got to do. Uh, well, I think there's a lot of things we we have to first of all teach what Christian marriage is uh, and how to be in a Christian marriage and how to not just teach but put it to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, there's very, very, very few churches that have anything to do for marriages. Mm-hmm. Everybody's screaming. They're saying, my mom and dad, my mom was divorced twice and my dad once. And, you know, they showed love when at, at, at holiday times or Valentine's day, but 
during the week, they would yell at one another and scream, I don't want that. And that's why millennials are waiting later and later to get married and let's live together and let's test it out. Right. That's where that all came from is mm-hmm. that they didn't see proper, there was no value in, in getting married. There was no good example either. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. And so, or if there was, there was one or two that you knew of, but everybody else mm-hmm. was weird, you know? Mm-hmm. And sadly, the church is as bad as the culture. So we literally have to say, as married couples, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And whatever happened in the past, it's gone. I'm not going to, I'm going to get myself trained mm-hmm. and good at this. I'm going to work until it happens. So every church should have a marriage ministry. Oh, definitely. Every De- church. Every church. Think of it. Think of it. You might have some churches that have a once a year marriage mm-hmm. conference, uh, retreat, conference, whatever, right. or, or some speaker comes in to that. Mm-hmm. But on a regular basis, not much. And so we know that the, the initial um, institution that God ordained to anoint and bless was man and wife, marriage. Mm-hmm. Out of that came the understanding of church and all that. But you look at all the references, the, Paul writes it all over the place. And yet the thorn in his side, mm-hmm. something was his wife, mm-hmm. if he was married. You know, that's yeah. all up in the air. But just to say that he writes, you know, that, you know, Jesus is coming back for his bride, the church. All of his references to man, what a man is supposed to do for a wife and a wife for a man is all based around marriage. How does the Bible define a church, Rick? How does the Bible define a church? Mm -hmm. Define the church. Well, first of all, we're encouraged to come together. According to scripture, we're encouraged to come together, uh, which is said, you know, it is the habit of some not to do. It is said you must assemble together. Because it's a it's a it's a living um, being. And assembled together anywhere, assembled together, assembled together anywhere. Where does it begin? The assembly. Well, I think I think the assembly of yourself is is a gathered group of people that they initially say we are, you know, one. You could say, I mean, there are people that do this. They say, well, I'm, I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ. And so every Sunday they're at a different church. Well, that doesn't plant you and grow you and feed you and, and you're not getting planted. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I, I guess where I'm at with all of that, it's a gathering of people that mm-hmm. according to Acts, uh, Ephesians 4 is where we're supposed to be enabled, be encouraged, be molded, to be shaped, to go out and do the work of the ministry until we reach the full stature. I personally believe, and this is me, but I think I've backed up by scripture in this, we cannot find the full maturing in Christ anywhere like we do in the church. Mm-hmm. So in other words, if somebody comes to me and says, I have the gift of this and I'm traveling here and I'm doing that. Okay, well, what's your church? What's your covering? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, bro, I'm, I'm ministering so much. I usually go, wait, time out, dude. I just want to tell you something. That's a very scary place to be because you need that nurturing and shaking and washing and cleaning and and junk and sometimes confronted with things by learning leadership. You need the presence of God, which brings the goosebumps. You don't need to be there like you are the presence of God because that's where some people are at. No, it's not that at all. I humbly come before the throne of God. And when I'm doing that with a gathering of, of believers, um, 
you know, it's pretty cool. Well, you bring up a good point because we always meet, um, and I'm sure yourself too, evangelists, missionaries. Oh, yeah. um, you 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 meet speakers that go to church to church and speak, and you bring up a good point that they should be planted in a church. They well, shouldn't just be going to speak. Right. You know, well, even at my, I'm out every weekend at a different church, but I have a home church. <laughs> right. You I should meet, have a home I church. With, I meet with leaders uh, weekly in that church. And they're always, the question is always asking me, how you doing? What's going on? What can we do for you? What are you facing in uh, your low moments right now? How are you weathering this? And that's good. You're able to talk about oh, that. Oh, yeah. How many leaders do get the opportunity to discuss those problems or those questions? Well, I think we've got to, I think we've got to go seek those people out. And right. I'm not just talking leaders. I'm just talking even or the body of Christ. Just, right. You know, for us to go just to a Bible study and be uh, uh, a attendee mm-hmm. and then walk out, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't help you. Exactly. I mean, you get head knowledge, but you're not really changing. Mm-hmm. You're not really challenged and being challenged to change. There's exactly. no accountability over you. And again, it's part of uh, the whole thing. I'll do it on my own. I got this. I'm going to be okay. And uh, how I counsel people all the time, especially marriage counseling. And it's the number one thing I hear from couples when they walk in and they're in trouble. And I've had guys say to me, I got this. I, you know, I'm okay. Here, we're good. Mm. Or to the, the wife will say to me, you know, we're good as long as we got our babies and we share them properly. So in other words, what you're telling me is that your kids are more important than him. Is that what you're saying? You know, oh, no, I didn't mean that, you know, but he has treated me wrong. And, and so then they get in the whole fight thing. I'm not there. You know, if we really realize the priority list that God has laid out in his word is God first, then our marriage, mm-hmm. then our kids, mm-hmm. then others, then our job. In Matthew six thirty three. Now, now, the issue is this, is that too many people have put ministry and God as number one in their life. They've equated both to be the same. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that God is first. Our personal relationship to God is first. Our, our, our ministry actually comes below our kids. Because mm-hmm. your number one audience is your wife first, in my case, my wife first, and then my kids. And then my ministry. And if I take any of that and, and jack it up to another place in the, in the list, if I try to put ministry number two or number one over my wife, I can do it for two weeks but I'm in trouble after that. Yeah, your marriage is in trouble. Exactly. Your whole family is in trouble. Exactly. And how many How many people, we all know, mm-hmm. everybody that's listening to us right now knows people that have done that very thing, Christians. And then you multiply that by those that aren't Christians. Mm-hmm. And now you're in a world of hurt. And so then, therefore, we've developed a whole understanding of what marriage is, what gender identity is, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Because people have just tried to find their own way, and now the world has condoned it. And now we've got gender issues, we've got marriage issues, we've got all kinds of stuff that are so far away from what God originally designed, made us, and designed us to be a part of. And you know what? He cries. He grieves for us. Mm-hmm. And oh, that we as a church would do the same. The problem is, is that many times we don't even see it because we're involved in it ourselves. Rick, what encouragement can you give pastors while waiting to um, reopen their churches right now? Well, number one, I would be uh, online all the time. I, I would have a, at least a week or a daily devotional. 
And even if only six people are watching it, I would do it. First of all, even if you felt this last weekend that you blew it, praise God you did it. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people had nothing. As one pastor told me, he said, you know, I usually run about 40 people. But he said, I had 155 views. He goes, I've never preached to 155 people. And I go, well, praise God, bro. He goes, and it was so bad. I go, well, I don't know who decided that it was bad or good, but I want to tell you something, man. 155 people watched you. So let's just beef up what we need to beef up. Because uh, all that is, is just getting better at something you didn't know. It's like riding a bicycle. The first time you ride it, it's pretty bad. You don't stop right. You fall off half the time. But man, the more you do it, you're good. You get good. So I would say that's one. Number two, between the Sundays, we have to, and we we even can do it now in our in our daily devotions, instead of just talking about escaping fear, why don't we talk about some of the felt needs of our community? And if you don't know what they are, get out there and read or get amongst people which is hard right now, but get amongst people and, and put out surveys, even online surveys of what are you feeling? What, what is your feelings right now? What is your positive feeling? What's your negative feeling? I mean, I think positive that everybody's saying, you see it on TV all the time. People are saying, I love being around my family this much. I haven't been around my family this much forever. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a very positive thing. So church, what are we doing to help them with that? Hey, if you're around, come tomorrow morning at 10, 10 o'clock. I'm going to do 15 minutes on things you can do with your family during this shut-in time, this shelter-in-place time. You know, it's all those kind of things that that once you start getting that mentality, because that's what a missionary does. Missionary goes into the country and says, what can I do here? Initially, I don't know the language. I don't know the culture. I don't know what's right or wrong. I don't even know how to say right or wrong. I don't know how to say yes or no even, initially. But you work it to say, how can I get into this culture and present the Jesus that I love and care about and I want them to have? I want them to have the same experience I do, which means you pray more, mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, show me, direct me. You read more because you're reading, trying to read all the signs. You're trying to be like the men of Issachar for you that are prophetic. You're trying to be like the men of Issachar who knew the times. Oh, that God would give us men of Issachar. And women of Issachar right now that know the times, not to just declare it like I've got a gift of prophetic utterance. More importantly, what am I doing with it of what I know? And just, you know, and just let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you. Uh, because right now, you what you've got is this is the card you're dealt. So don't go, woe is me, I don't have. Go with, woe is me, what can I see God create through us? Because I believe this at the other side of this. People are going to want to hang out more than ever before. I think that church attendance will be huge, especially mm-hmm. the people that have been away from church for a while, just to get around people, just to get a hug. Think about that. How many times at church did you get a hug? Mm-hmm. It was awesome. And people are going, I miss personal touch right now. I miss all right. of that. So I think churches, I think basketball games, I think uh, anything is going to happen now, people are going to flood to because they just want to get back together. And so this is our time to build those things now, those ministries now that can help us when we get back together. Because things don't stop. You don't want to stop what you've started. Keep going. Amen. So would those, what would be your uh, scripture that you would want to leave to um, the body of Christ and to leave to pastors? Well, John 14, 12 said, Jesus said to us, I've got to go now. 
but I'm going to leave someone called the comforter. Actually, that was said in verse 17, but in verse 12, he says this. He says, the things that I did, you're going to do, and even greater things. I would say, pastors, that many of you and leaders in churches, many of you believe that scripture, but you're not actively experiencing that scripture. And I say that to you in the light of God's giving you opportunity right now. You're totally out of your comfort zone. This is so strange. Everybody's been saying it. This is territory we've never been in before. Well, isn't that cool? Because that means God's right there with us. As has been said over and over and over again, it's the God zone. And in the God zone, only God knows what's going on. We can't control anymore. I have a pastor who's systems driven. And he he can't put any systems in place because there's no church in the building. And he goes, what do I do? And I go, well, dude, come on. We can do this without systems. You just need the Holy Spirit to speak to Amen. you, talk to you, work in you, because God's got amazing things ready for you. And so can I pray for everybody? Absolutely. Because I believe Please the Lord is here right now. And Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are about your business. This is not a surprise to you. You've never, you've never been overwhelmed by any disease or anything. In fact, you sent your son so that we could see that every disease can be healed. And we know there's got to be purpose behind this in your divine plan. And so, Lord, we humbly submit ourselves to your purposes and your plan. Jesus, I just pray right now in the name of the Lord that you would bring about, Lord Jesus, major uh, transformational moments in every taping, in every um, moment, in every church that's going out there, God. And I pray, Lord, you would activate, Lord Jesus, leaders that would take up the gifts of the Holy Spirit in ways that they've never understood before and flow in them. Since we cannot have our systems, Lord, bring about a reproduction in us of your anointing that affects our whole congregation. And Lord, I pray for people that are listening right now, that are believers, that you would work in their lives, Lord, so that they would have a ministry with their neighbors, or they would gather together with a few other Christians and go help others. And Lord, may we be your hands extended. And then Jesus, I just pray for everyone that's listening right now that maybe is tuned in, don't even know anything about God. I pray in the name of Jesus, you would come right now. Give them the goosebumps. Because that's what your presence is. Cover them with your Holy Spirit. And Lord will give you all the honor and the praise and the glory. Porque tú eres el rey de los reyes, el señor de los señores. You are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we'll see you soon, Father. In thy name. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria as she interviews Christian pastors and leaders to discuss scriptures and topics affecting the Christian community and to pray for the nations. If you need to contact Marina Maria, please email her at fcoprogram at gmail.com. That email again is fcoprogram at gmail.com. If you are looking for a Holy Spirit-filled bilingual church in the Phoenix, Arizona area, I invite you to King Jesus Christ Ministries at 3106 North 35th Avenue, Suite 3, Phoenix, Arizona. The zip code is 85017. The music used in this broadcast provided courtesy of zapplat.com. Until next time, Marina wants to remind you from Matthew 6, 33. 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you.